Welcome to another episode of the SaaS Podcast. I'm your host, Omar Khan, and this is a show where I interview proven founders and industry experts who share their stories, strategies, and insights to help you build, launch, and grow your SaaS business. In this episode, I talk to Vlad Gorsman, the co-founder and CEO of InvolveMe, a no-code builder for interactive forms, quizzes, surveys, and more. In 2018, after spending two years building a content management system for virtual reality experiences, Vlad realized there wasn't enough market demand. During that time, he and his co-founders were also doing some agency work to finance their startup, and they realized that there seemed to be a consistent need from clients to create customized web forms. But building the forms manually was often time-intensive, so they started automating parts, which eventually sparked the idea for a self-serve SaaS product. After validating the concept with a few initial customers, they launched an MVP as a freemium product, and they were able to get their first 10 customers by switching their agency customers to the new product. But it had taken Vlad and his co-founders almost two and a half years of trial and error to get to this point. They hadn't paid themselves anything for years and kept investing money from the agency work back into their startup and paying the salaries of a small team. And having made the decision to bootstrap the business was adding to the pressure for the founders to grow faster and start generating meaningful revenue. Today, InvolveMe is now a profitable seven-figure ARR SaaS company with thousands of customers. They've grown to a team of 14 people and are still fully bootstrapped. In this episode, you'll learn how Vlad validated the idea for InvolveMe by showing prospective customers competitor products and asking why those products didn't work for them. Why, after having previously built a VC-backed startup, Vlad decided that this wasn't the right path for InvolveMe and decided to bootstrap instead. How the founders came up with a creative approach to raising some money, acquiring engaged customers without giving away any equity. We also talk about how Vlad and his co-founders figured out how to position and differentiate their product in a very crowded market and why that seems to be working for them and how the team is eating their own dog food by using InvolveMe tools on their own website to continuously improve the product's weaknesses. So I hope you enjoy it. Is your team struggling with spreadsheets that can't keep up with your workflows? It's time to switch to JotForm Tables. JotForm Tables is an all-in-one workspace that lets you collect, organize, and manage data seamlessly. Not only can you create online forms to gather data directly in JotForm Tables, but it also serves as a powerful tool to manage and analyze the data collected from your existing JotForm forms. You can also import spreadsheets or enter information manually, and all your data is stored securely in one place. JotForm Tables makes collaboration a breeze. You can share your tables with a single click and work with your team in real time. Say goodbye to version control issues and hello to efficient teamwork. Get started with JotForm tables for free today at sasclub.io slash JotForm. That's sasclub.io slash JotForm. Are you looking to sell your online business or buy one to start your entrepreneurial journey? Discover exciting opportunities with Bupos.com. Bupos is the number one platform for buying and selling profitable online businesses and the first to offer built-in acquisition financing for qualified buyers. At Bupos.com, you can explore their exclusive listings, browse listings from other marketplaces, or submit your own deal for approval. Bupos can offer pre-approved financing for recurring revenue businesses, allowing you to access fast funding with no personal guarantees. And their experienced M&A advisory team supports you every step of the way. To learn more, visit sasclub.io slash 
BUPOS. That's sasclub.io slash B-O-O-P-O-S. Sign up today and get qualified to sell your business or find your next deal. Hey there, SaaS founders. Are you looking to grow your B2B SaaS business to the first million in annual recurring revenue? I've got something that can help you. Introducing the SaaS Club newsletter, your weekly source of proven strategies, practical insights, and exclusive interviews with successful B2B SaaS founders who have been in your shoes and are ready to share what they've learned. Each week, you'll get a quick five-minute read delivered straight to your inbox full of growth tactics, lessons learned, and insider tips to help you tackle those early stage challenges and grow your business to seven figures and beyond. So what are you waiting for? Head over over to sasclub.io slash newsletter and join over 4,000 other SaaS founders and entrepreneurs who are already using these insights to grow their businesses. Subscribe to the SaaS Club newsletter today and get the support you need to keep moving forward on your SaaS journey. Vlad, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. My pleasure. Do you have a favorite quote, something that inspires or, or motivates you that you can share with us? Yeah, uh, kind of. I... Um... The one that pops to mind um, is um, something along the lines, only the paranoid survive. I, I think it's from, from the former CEO of Intel, um, Andy Grove. And uh, basically, um, it, it's probably just an exaggerated form of saying that uh, um, within, within your business, you should never take anything for granted and always plan for the worst. Be always um, acting like a challenger even when you, uh, when you become an incumbent. Um, so you can keep your spot at the end of the day. Yeah, I think I still have that book somewhere here on a bookshelf. I mean, but it's tough being a founder, right? Because on the one hand, everyone's saying, hey, you gotta be, op you gotta be optimistic. You gotta be the one leading the way and having the vision. But at the same time, you're right. You also have to be kind of paranoid and think about all the things that could go wrong and then how you're gonna deal with them and stuff like that. It's a, it's a tough balancing act. It is definitely. It's a weird contradiction, but I think you, uh, every other founder will 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 know what I'm talking about, and it's uh, it's something that we you live you live with every day. So tell us about Involve Me. What does the product do? Who is it for? And what's the main problem you're helping to solve? Involve Me is an online uh, form builder that leverages AI to automate the creation, personalization, and analysis of forms, quizzes, and surveys for businesses. We target uh, mainly marketing and sales teams uh, from SMBs, increasingly mid-market, and um, we solve uh, an everlasting problem, I would say, which is uh, data collection and knowing your customer and having better digital conversations with your customers. Awesome. And give us a sense of the size of the business. Where are you in terms of uh, revenue, customers, size of team? So we launched uh, early 2019, um, and um, we're a bootstrapped team of uh, 14 people, partly remote, partly in Vienna, Austria at our HQ. And yeah, since then, we've uh, grown um, into a seven-figure ARR. Um, we have thousands of customers, um, as I said, mostly SMBs. That's great. And before we get into talking about Involve Me, can you just tell us a little bit about your background? Because this is not your first business. So uh, maybe just like, you know, one or two minutes in terms of like, what other kind of businesses have you run in the past? And so people understand like, you know, where you're coming from when you started Involve Me. Sure. So um, yeah, you're right, um, Omer. It's not my first rodeo. I founded my first company out of university. Um, I'm originally from Romania. I'm living in Austria. And uh, back then, it was around 2007, Romania had just joined the EU. 
meaning there were um, a lot of um, funding opportunities for companies um, and new regulation changing and stuff like that. So I actually did my uh, thesis on uh, how to get European funding to align with the European standards. Um, and uh, out of that thesis, uh, I started uh, my first company, which was a consulting business. I helped um, uh, companies in industry get EU funding. So I did the business planning, um, the whole bureaucracy, bureaucracy around uh, uh, submitting that uh, and, and getting uh, getting the funding so they could align with the standards of the EU. So that was my first yeah, business venture. I, I would not call it a startup. I'm, I'm not even sure uh, how to put it. So it's, it's at least not a digital uh, venture. In parallel to running it, uh, I already dabbled in a few, uh, I would say, online experiments on my own putting together a classified uh, side, trying to, to launch that in Romania, failed miserably. And um, I, I managed to, uh, to have a small exit and I uh, decided to look around Europe and try my luck elsewhere and experience life in a, in a different setup, in a different country. Um, and yeah, I uh, uh, came to Vienna and I remember I joined, uh, I joined uh, in 2000, back in 2010, uh, a small gathering where people started pitching um, their their startup ideas. It was completely new to me. Um, and talking with the people there, um, I basically ended up asking them. So, like, so the startup because is like uh, it's Vienna, right? It's uh, like where 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 can I find uh, uh, different venues, different gatherings? They basically told me that's it. This is the startup ecosystem. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> that was two, that was 2010, and I had the luck to uh, to be around uh, people like Marcus Wagner from i5 Invest, um, Oliver Holle, who was uh, just starting Speed Invest, the first um, VC um, in in Austria. Um, and um, I've seen the startup community sort of spring to life. Um, and there were a few opportunities there, and I I, I got a chance to work with uh, some amazing co-founders, um, and uh, most notably, I co-founded um, Adverity out of uh, the i5 ecosystem. And uh, Adverity is um, is a, a data um, analytics uh, company for for marketing data, um, basically an ETL a tool. Uh, much more than that uh, uh, nowadays. It uh, um, it also grew uh, over the years. Um, it's a venture backed business. It, it grew into um, hundreds of employees. And uh, in the early years, I um, I was basically one of the product guys. I uh, was co CEO as well. So that uh, gave me uh, a lot of insight into also the sort of different world than where, where it would involve me at, um, which is the VC uh, VC backed SaaS sales-driven enterprise SaaS, uh, whereas Involve Me is a self-serve freemium SaaS, um, more or less no-touch sales. So let's talk about Involve Me. Like, where did the idea come from? I mean, you you founded the business in, in 2019. Uh, so kind of around that time, 2018, 2019, what were you doing and, and how did you come up with this idea? Yeah, sure. So uh, the interesting story behind that is that the business uh, was actually founded a few years prior. We launched Involve Me in, in 2019. 
and that is because before Involve Me, we did something completely different. Um, uh, so uh, around two years prior, we set out to build also a SaaS, but in a completely different space. Uh, we looked at virtual reality um, and we started building, prototyping a CMS for VR applications. We basically uh, went uh, uh, f- uh, full force on, on this idea, um, prototyped it. Um, you know, we didn't do the, the basics. We didn't validate it well enough uh, in the beginning. Um, so luckily, we realized uh, that there is not an immediate big enough market for, for, for it um, and decided to pivot. So you worked on that for, for about two years and then you made the pivot. Exactly. And, and so it's kind of, it's, I mean, help me connect the dots here because it was like, they don't seem like, it doesn't seem like a natural pivot from like saying a CMS for VR to, to you know, building a product like Involve Me. So how did that happen? Yeah, we stumbled upon it um, so or, or into it. So while, while building the CMS for VR, me and my, my co-founders, um, we started doing some agency work to finance uh, our, our activities. And um, one of my co-founders um, is also um, the founder of um, a digital agency, Screenagers. Um, in Vienna, it's a boutique uh, agency uh, with um, with some interesting clients, such as uh, Universal Pictures. Um, and I singled Universal Pictures uh, out because it was basically our first uh, our first Involve Me customer, I would say, um, before Involve Me existed. Um, and we, we we realized that they um, they they needed. Um, they needed these type of forms and quizzes to gather uh, customer data for each of their uh, releases around movies. And at that time, they had several releases per month. Each one was different in the way they styled it. Uh, but in the end, uh, in the back, it was the same need. So uh, front-end-wise, it would look differently. Um, in, in the back, it was the same. So, so we started creating these content types for them um, and also, while doing it, automating parts of it for us to make it easier. So the next, the next uh, piece that we roll out would require less resources from us, uh, more margin. And um, out of it came the idea of, uh, of creating a self-serve product. Um, and then we got a few other customers from the agency or through the agency, validated it with them, and then uh, created an MVP for, uh, for a self-service tool. Got it. Okay. So at least this time you validated the idea, right? So that's good. And what I want to try and understand is at that time, I mean, form building software, very crowded market. And so, you know, we're going to talk about how you you, you differentiate Involve Me and, and, and position the product and, and you know, why customers would choose you versus, you know, some of the other products on the market, because I think that's always an interesting conversation to have. But, you know, even back in 2019, there were a lot of these products around. So on the one hand, you've got the the validation from some initial customers who are telling you, yeah, th- this is the type of solution we're willing to pay for. Actually, not even willing to pay for, they're, they're actually paying for it. On the other hand, if you look you know, in the competitive landscape, 
you must have seen a bunch of these products out there. So what was your thinking at the time in terms of like, why did you decide that there was an opportunity here? And, and the reason I ask you is because I heard, I think it was on LinkedIn or something, somebody said, you know, I had this great idea, Googled it, and then I was like, oh, somebody's already come up with it. And I was like, actually, that's probably not a bad thing. It's, it's, it's actually validation that there's people out there willing to pay for the problem. And, you know, maybe there's, there's room for you here to, to, to do something else. So I think people maybe are too dismissive. But then there's also the other extreme of this where you go into a market and there's like lots of players. So how did you decide? Like, how did you decide we're going to go into this and this makes sense for us to, to build a business here? Yeah, I yeah, know that's, uh, that's the million dollar question. So I, first of all, I, um, I agree. I mean, um, whenever, whenever you validate an idea, you look at the market, you look at the, the, the competitive landscape and uh, um, especially in the form building um, um, area, you know, it, it became pretty clear to us that, uh, that, that it's a crowded space. So what... What we did is, um, before even putting the first uh, sort of uh, line of code for, 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 for the self-service tool, we um, scouted the tools that were out there at that time that we thought would solve the needs of, uh, of these customers who we were doing agency work for best. And then we had sort of customer development discussions with them and, and calls. And, um, presented them with these solutions and asked them like, look, there are off the shelf tools. Uh, why aren't they solving your need? Maybe you don't know about them. Maybe you do. Let's look at them together. Um, and we identified a few, um, a few areas where around customization, first of all, um, um, and, um, and some around functionality where we said, okay, this makes sense. Um, it seems that, uh, it, um, it would give us a competitive advantage if we would, um, from the get-go, include that. Um, besides customization, um, which basically means making each content piece look like um, uh, in the have the brand identity of that uh, company and not look like a third-party tool. Sort of that was the um, um, that was that was. The solution that were, they were looking for, and there was nothing off the shelf coming close to it um, in in, an, in a no code fashion. And the second is that uh, there were a lot of forum solutions uh, out there even back then. The angle that we found was um, to focus on the quiz functionality um, behind it, um, basically allowing um, our first customers to. Allowing them to score their leads to 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 basically have a better sense uh, and qualify the users that they get through these forms, um, and I think with these two angles, we found something that uh, at that time gave us enough of an edge to uh, to get uh, the first ten customers. Basically, I love that because when, when you're in the early stages when you're trying to get those first 10 customers and you get into this situation where maybe you've got some prospects and they seem interested in your product and you know that there's a bunch of products out there that might also help them do the job. I don't know. Sometimes secretly you're like, well, maybe my market is the people who don't know about those products, right? I could go after those people. But you, you tackle this head on and, and 
you, you know, putting these products in front of those prospective customers and saying, why don't these products solve, you know, do the job for you? I think that's a great way to, to, to validate this and to understand that because, you know, we, I think maybe the natural thing to do would be to like do the competitive analysis ourselves. But there's bias in there, right? And we're like, well, you know, we could build a better feature than that. And they don't do that as well. But when customers are looking at that and telling you, then it's like some real, there's, there's some real data there in terms of, okay, this is objective feedback in terms of what's good about these products and what isn't. And I also like how that eventually led you to build build the form builder, but focusing on this use case of the the quiz as being kind of a core thing that you were going to, you would differentiate on. Okay, great. So that that gets you to the first 10 customers. Big milestone, right? Great. What what did you do next? I mean, it's great that you had the agency and you had some customers through through there, but then how did you, what, what was your kind of go-to-market plan and how did you start finding more customers? I think um, the uh, we were already um, two plus years in uh, at this time uh, with the new company. Um, as, as I told you before, I was coming from the back of, of of a different experience where there was VC funding, we've built a product for mm, I think two years before actually getting customers in. Um, I mean, we had also there a few development customers, if you will, um, but um, a different ball game, I would say. Um, and um, I'll, I'll be frank, it was a tough two years, even though there was a liquidity event for me, um, a small one before. The, the first two and a half years, um, I, I didn't pay myself anything while investing uh, in in the business. So when we were putting sort of the, the, the finishing touches on the MVP of Involve Me, um, which by the way, also had a different name. Uh, it was called Brand Quiz. So, you know, the quiz angle. My aim was to monetize as soon as possible and to switch from doing agency work to having... Um, um, the the MVP uh, or the MVL or minimum lovable product uh, uh, MVLP whatever you want to call it, um, but paid right. So um, uh, so the ten customers um, we s- were basically um, agency customers that we switched to the uh, to the tool, and um, I think that was easier because they were already paying more actually to get these um, um, custom coded uh, content pieces out. And then it was an easy sell. Um, and, but the, the next, uh, the next uh, phase was, uh, was the harder one because we hit the point where we already had a few people in the team. Uh, um, so we were not paying ourselves. We were paying uh, people uh, in the team to, to, to build out the product. And we started uh, started monetizing it uh, with the first few. We also wanted to go the bootstrapping route. Um, we did a small um, befriended angel round, um, but we uh, kept the lion's share most of the most of the um, the company, so we didn't dilute. Um, but we knew we we needed a, a bigger capital infusion. Um, and I think this was this was a, um, an interesting moment for us, a, a, another pivotal moment. Um, as we looked around and we 
decided to do um, something we had no experience with, um, something that could have backfired. Um, and that is we, uh, we did a, um, a lifetime deal, a limited deal with, um, um, with a group uh, of um, potential customers or of, uh, who, that became customers, um, marketers and, and sales, uh, salespeople. Um, and we got a big enough capital infusion on the one side. And secondly, we got a bunch of very invested uh, new customers that even though they just paid once for a, for a lifetime, they a lot of them um, provided invaluable feedback uh, for, for, that, uh, for that next phase. So we, on the one side, financed the next uh, 12 months um, with like one swoop. Um, and then secondly, we uh, got uh, the best type of customer because they gave us constant feedback on which features to prioritize, what is valuable, what they would pay for as an add-on and so forth. Was this uh, an AppSumo launch? It was not an AppSumo launch. Um, we found a private group uh, of a few thousand people and, and did it within that private group. We therefore, uh, I, I was a bit wary, to be frank. I, I, I'm uh, it, uh, Doing lifetime deals can be a double-edged sword um, um, because you give, you know, you have people who invest in your, in your vision for the future, um, but you also give the product away f- potentially for free forever. And um, um, there might be not a, another way to monetize or upsell or, uh, you know. In our case, I... I I looked at AppSumo. Um, I I wanted it to be a more private deal um, and also to be more in control of uh, how how much it extends, um, you know. And I think that we did it. Um, uh, we did a great job with with uh, with this group, and uh, it worked for us. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think that's an interesting way to do this. And what what I like about that is it doesn't have to be. An AppSumo launch to get you know to do to a, a you know a lifetime deal. I think when you're you're going and do you know selling to some somewhere like AppSumo, you were getting people. It's it's funny because I've seen there are some people there who will buy a lifetime deal, and you're right, they're very invested. They provide tons of feedback, and it's almost like they're almost making like a, a tiny investment in your business and they want to kind of go on the journey with you, right? That's like amazing when you get those types of people. On the other hand, you also get the people who will, you know, pay for the lifetime deal and then will act like, you know, they're giving you like $10,000 a month and they're like complain about every single thing that doesn't work perfectly, right? And so it's, it is a double-edged sword and a very tough thing thing to do. I've never heard of anybody kind of going into a kind of a private community and doing that, but it, it kind of totally makes sense. How, how did you find that community and what is it, was it just somebody you knew or, or was it, you know, you went out on a search to, to find the right place? Actually went out on a search, but in this case, we, um, the community found us, I would say, because while we were doing the search, um, somebody from that community 
found out about it and then reached uh, to us um and uh and uh and yeah we hooked up <laughs> i would say but yeah I, I completely agree i think there um you you open the doors to uh, all types of uh of, of users and uh, all types of perspectives on on what they are to you and what you are to them um um, I think in our case, um, it was a net positive, um, but I can see it going um, going also um, wrongly. And some products being stuck in that um, lifetime deal uh, sort of aura. Um, um, and we, we were very mindful of that back then as well. So uh, we made an informed decision. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen like on AppSumo, I've seen some products that will do a launch and then they never you never see them on AppSumo again. So that's like a very deliberate thing that they came in, they wanted to just get some momentum, get a cash infusion, help them on their journey. And then you have the products where uh, you see over and over and over again coming back to do launches. And that's like, okay, something isn't kind of working out here. Like if you have to keep relying on, on this as a way to... Maybe it's just to get more money. I don't know, right? It's like, but it's an interesting, interesting space. Okay, great. So that's pretty cool because taking that approach, not only do you get more customers, it's not recurring revenue, but it's still money, which is important, especially for a bootstrap business. And um, it give, gives you people who, who are giving you more feedback and, and helping you make the product better. One thing I want to understand is from you is, why did you go down the route of bootstrapping? I mean, you started your career, you know, becoming this expert uh, who's helping other businesses figure out how to raise money. You've built VC-backed businesses. So it's not like something that you haven't done before. Why did you decide that you wanted to bootstrap this time? Are you an entrepreneur looking to buy a profitable online business or a founder ready to sell? Bootpass is the number one platform for buying and selling profitable online businesses. With their exclusive listings, as well as listings from other marketplaces, and the option to submit your own deal for approval, Bupos has you covered. Plus, they're the first to offer built-in acquisition financing for qualified buyers of recurring revenue businesses, allowing you to access fast funding without personal guarantees. And their experienced M&A advisory team supports you every step of the way. To learn more, visit sasclub.io slash bupos that's sasclub.io slash b-o-o-p-o-s sign up today and get qualified to start your entrepreneurial journey or sell your business at the right valuation with bupos.com it was also a, a deliberate decision um so uh having seen the the um, vc side of things and by the way um I haven't completely exited uh, the the other company, so I've seen also the next stages of the VC uh, of the VC route um, up to um, Series D. Um, so um, Adverity has raised uh, over one hundred twenty million euros. Um, I've also um, seen the um, downsides of it. I would say, um, but I'm not a preacher for bootstrapping. <laughs> um, and uh, I, um, I think there are businesses that are um, better off um, uh, as a bootstrap business and, uh, and, and others that would simply not work uh, without VC funding. And also, I'm, I'm also a believer in 
um, there's also middle ground. So you don't have to like be either bootstrapped or VC backed. You know, you can be capital efficient and get the capital that you need at a specific stage and then get to profitability or wherever you need to go, um, growth and hit, hit those goals and then, um, and then go to the next stage, you know? Um, so I think making, making these decisions in a, logical deliberate way um is is the way to go um in in the case of um brand quiz uh, back then involve me now i did have um i i had the privilege of of having um you know the best of contacts in vienna and austria uh, having been uh seeing the the birth of the startup scene here i told you in the beginning right uh so so i reached out to a few venture capitalists uh talked with them told them like where where i see um the product um evolving into and asked them like do you think this is a vc backable uh, uh thing so so i I made an informed decision after discussing it uh with um people who I, I would argue had a better view on um, um, or a more holistic view on uh, um, market wise. Um, and with all the information that I gathered, I decided that it, it's just a better route uh, uh, being bootstrapped. Giving control was part of it, definitely, um, but not the only factor. Right. So how feasible is it? Can I get this business to um, to to 100 million uh, um, or is this a business that uh, can grow in the tens of millions, uh, which is perfectly fine, uh, you know, uh, so uh, wouldn't mind <laughs> that. <laughs> oh. All right. Great. So well, I know one of the ways that you grew beyond that was through paid search, which kind of is interesting to me because. Number one, most of the times when I talk to founders, same story. We tried ads, they didn't work. But what's more interesting is uh, bootstrap business, spending money on, on you know, paid search as an acquisition channel. It's not a cheap thing to do. I don't know. Like, did, you, did you kind of find out a secret way to like bid low and, and acquire customers kind of profitably back then? I would say so. Yes, I think um, we um, we we found a few keywords that worked for us really well um, within the quiz category. Um, um, as, as I told you in the beginning, uh, that was the angle, and um, combined with with um, lead gen and and lead qualification, um, we found something that at that time it was not as um, uh, sought after or fought over as it is today. Um, things change though, and it's a dynamic. Um, uh, it's a dynamic space. Um, but to to go back to to sort of the storyline, right? Uh, we got uh, that sort of capital infusion, um, and um, right, we uh, we directly focused on MRR, right? So as you uh, perfectly noted, it. The capital infusion was not recurring, so uh, we needed to maximize uh, maximize its impact on the business. So we wanted something that could give us um, the most Im immediate uh, signal that this this works. And on scale, that was search. I mean, it, 
basically it was me. I didn't have any marketer uh, in the team. It was me setting up uh, the Google campaigns, um, um, maybe getting input from from uh, from a few freelancers. But at the end of the day, doing different tests and 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 finding a few keyword categories um, that that worked for us. And um, it it it's still a it's still a, a, a channel for us, right? So it, as I told you. It, over the years, uh, you know, we expanded, we expanded uh, the campaigns, we expanded keywords. Um, the product is a different product uh, today. Um, and it's way more, uh, I would say, a, a more competitive uh, space than it was when we started. Um, therefore, also, its position in our mix is a different one. Right. So, um, but at the beginning, in the first months, it was paid, and that gave us this feedback. Okay, we can acquire, we can have like a self serve motion. Um, what I didn't say is it involved me as a freemium tool. So, you know, um, low friction, um, get users in, get them to the aha moment um, where they can, they can publish uh, a form, see it in action, put it on their, their website, um, and then have this sort of product-led growth motion in place um, with with the trigger being paid search. How, how well are you converting those free users into paying customers? Like what's a, a typical good conversion rate that you, you've been able to achieve or you know, what percentage of your users are paid versus free? So it's well in the double digits um, in terms of conversion rate from, from our, our free, but that doesn't include only uh, users who come through paid search, right? So we do content um, as well um, at scale, luckily now, and I can go into that uh, uh, later. Um, and there are also a few growth loops that we have in place um, that um, um, that bring in new users, yeah. Yeah, so let's, let's talk about content. So, you know, content marketing, SEO, it wasn't something that you did um, early on, but it is something that that you've you've continued to invest in and kind of build out. Firstly, what what kind of roughly what percentage of your revenue or customers come through content marketing these days, and uh, what does that journey look like for 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 a user or a customer? Content marketing became more important uh, over the years. Uh, obviously, it's a it's a bigger share in the pie. Um, um, I would say right now uh, between 60 and 70 percent. Um, um, so quite, uh, uh, quite important, I would say. Um, um, how, how the journey looks like. So uh, we have a lot of content. We have um, over, um, you know, over a thousand uh, uh, different pages um, ranging from educational content Right, trying to um, educate about the different use cases, educate on on how to achieve a certain business goal, and then obviously plug into uh, plug plug uh, involve me in there um, to more more broad traffic oriented pieces. Um, um, so up to um, up to um, our templates um, where. Um, 
we have uh, we have over 350 um, uh, professionally designed optimized templates that you can use as a starting point uh, in involve me um, and each of them has um, has its own landing page um, its own content um, it describes um, the business goal that you can achieve with it um, so some of these are very long tail so you asked me about the user journey, you know, a user might ask, how uh, can I create a price quote for my service business um, and uh, have that as a sort of top of the funnel lead generation content piece? They would get to maybe a how-to um, uh, article or they would get to the template page with, a, uh, uh, with, with custom price quotes. And from there, they would try out the template, um, register to see it, um, um, to see it uh, in, in action, modify it, edit it. Um, and yeah, they're in the product. Um, and the interesting thing is the aha moment for them is, um, is, is when they're able to, um, to adapt a template or start a project from scratch and see it in in their not only their their use case but also in their own brand identity and the likes so that that's how content funnels um um new new registrations yeah i mean i think the the content marketing is like you know the attribution is often a big challenge and i think especially with top of funnel content Right, somebody who reads some top of funnel content for the first time and discovers Involve Me is not going to sign up and then become a paying customer next week. Right, there's this multiple touch points before they they get there. So, is is that something that you 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 try to measure in terms of you know the the effectiveness of content marketing, or are you more on the sort of the the the, the opinion that we just make the investment and the overall investment across content marketing will will help get us there. And and, and kind of as a follow-up to that, do you do any kind of like retargeting? So once somebody discovers the top of funnel content, how do you make sure they come back to the site? I'm I'm more in the former camp. So uh try to be as data driven as as possible, uh, which is always a struggle uh, and will always remain a struggle but um, but uh, yeah I'm, I'm no uh, fan of uh, just putting out content and uh, and 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 you know there's good traffic and there's uh, traffic that is not valuable so um, and we aim for for the good traffic um, um, so we have uh, we're, we're trying to map as much as possible uh, the, um, the, the 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 touch points and and to, to have the user journey um, for for each new registration, it's also important to say that the uh, the content it was an oversimplified uh, depiction of how um, how a user gets in because they uh, that was basically the last step before the registration. Usually, looking at uh, at the data, um, they would have interacted with um, around, on average, five uh, pieces of content. So, it's important for us to interlink that content to provide value um, to to not to not have it stop, right? Um, to to interlink it with with different content that adds value further on. So that that is important uh, to mention. Um, and in terms of um, 
In terms of um, retargeting, yes, we also um, do a bit of, uh, of retargeting um, to get them back to the platform. But I would say in our case, the onboarding, um, the surfacing of potential value is um, so uh, has so little friction um, that uh, that that it um, it's not uh, as hard uh, as I've seen it in other places to bring them into the tool. Obviously, it's hard to activate and keep them in the tool. That's uh, but uh, th- those are different discussions. But getting them into it and seeing it and uh, and and finding out if. Um, um, if 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 this is what they were looking for, I think sort of that up, up to that point, mm, we've we've done it well, and there is no secret sauce. Uh, others do it as well. I think again to, to summarize it, it's providing value in in those content pieces, and then also di- directing them to something that is actionable. In our case, it's uh, it's a template, um, it's it's a use case. That they can then, with a uh, with a click of a few buttons, own and and make their own. Yeah, and I think you're right. I think the 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 freemium model makes it a lot easier to get them to at least sign up for an account. You you, you know they they're they're seeing this is not a free trial. There's a free product, right? So there's a little bit more incentive to say, okay, even if this isn't the right product for me. There's still something that I can use and try, and you know maybe it'll work out. The other thing is you're not asking for a credit card or anything like that when when they're signing up. So I think that lowers the bar. Um, and and I guess the challenge you have is probably filtering the the high quality you know users that are going to convert versus you know probably thousands of people who are signing up who are never going to become paying customers. Yeah, 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 exactly. So um, so. What we do uh, is also uh, interesting. Is we're, uh, you know, uh, eating our own dog food. So we use Involve Me um, with on on the the marketing uh, website uh, within the tool at uh, at every step we can, um, um, and uh, that allows us to obviously be our own customer, which is the best. So we know the weakest points uh, of the tool so we uh, we can uh, improve it uh, constantly. On the other side, it, uh, we are able to surface the value of Involve Me to, uh, to our customers while they, or to our users, while they become uh, a user of Involve Me. Um, for instance, if one example is, uh, right, we, Within the content uh, on the marketing website, we might use something like a, um, a, a template recommender, uh, which is basically a product recommender uh, or a template finder built on Involve Me. Simple quiz that will give you uh, sort of a template. We use it. Um, we use it in the onboarding. So we have an onboarding survey built with Involve Me that um, that that asks a few a few questions and then also. Um, provides um, a more personalized experience when when getting into the tool, giving you templates around your use case and industry. So um, so when you when you get when you get going, you're directly led to something that is relevant for you. Um, and um, you know 
doing all these kind of tweaks, we've seen over the years that um, you know each one uh, makes uh, makes makes uh, an improvement and a dent. So I think we're going to have to wrap up and and get onto the lightning round. Before we do that, just one super quick question is like today, Involve Me is not positioned as a quiz builder. It's a it's a form builder, an AI powered form builder. How how have you figured out like how how to position yourself in this this crowded market? While we started building out the functionality, um, we didn't want to get uh, sort of trapped into in, in this quiz uh, builder world uh, where Involve Me was getting to a place where it was much more more than that. Um, what we did is we um, we took um, um, took the quiz functionality and uh, out of it created a lead scoring lead qualification functionality and um, and and focused more on this part of um, of the value. So um, we we were helping businesses. Um, uh, know their customers by 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 creating better lead funnels, lead magnets, uh, and and with that we sort of st- it struck a chord with uh, with with customers. Then another thing to mention is that um, um, we took a bold step uh, last year um, uh, when when um, AI became mainstream. I would say um, with uh, with the advent of uh, of ChatGPT. Um, but even before that, with um, with the GPT AIs uh, APIs, sorry, uh, that uh, that came out, um, and we decided to um, infuse AI uh, in in the tool and make it AI powered. Um, so <clears throat> what we did is we identified three points of value uh, where um, where we said, okay, AI can help uh, improve either improve the way people uh, users. Um, use the tool um, or Im- improve uh, and, and offer more business value to them. And the three areas are the creation part. So um, you can um, you can go to Involve Me, you can um, uh, input your uh, website URL um, and use case, and uh, we can create um, forms with different variations on brand with your assets. Um, um, the questions, the assets, the um, the, the, the whole design of it, uh, the packaging, is uh, being um, whipped uh, out by the AI. That's the creation part, so um, making it even less friction uh, uh, with with less friction there. The second is the, the personalization. Um, so we added a way for for users to to. To use AI within uh, within our forms to give personalized um, feedback um, and um, and and uh, responses to their users while inputting um, and answering uh, forms. Um, and uh, thirdly, um, once you've uh, published the form, once you gather data, you might have um, tons of um, qualitative data within the form. Um, we've created um, um, an AI insights module that allows you to uh, basically generate business reports with key findings, summarizations, and also recommendations from the data that you get within Involve Me. So um, with this positioning, we're sort of um, 
um, ad adapted our tool to this new world where we're pretty sure that uh, AI is here to stay. Uh, I don't think there's any doubt about that. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's get on to the lightning round. I've got uh, seven quick fire questions for you. Just try to answer them as quickly as you can. What's one of the best pieces of business advice you've received? I think it's around um, people. So basically, your company is as good uh, as its people. Um, we how we live it that involve me is we're trying to keep it. Um, humane and uh, have a good work-life balance. Um, this resulted in us having a four-day work week um, one and a half years ago. Um, it's going great. That's another thing we, you and I should talk about. I, I, I'm fascinated when, when somebody actually makes that work. Uh, what book would you recommend to our audience and why? Um, yeah, um, right now I'm reading um, Cable Cowboy by uh, Mark Robichaud, um, which follows the professional life of John Malone. Um, it, for people who don't know John Malone, he's an iconic figure, basically uh, one of the people who built up the, um, the cable industry in the US. Uh, and it chronicles the creation evolution of the modern cable industry. I think it's, it's awesome. I haven't finished it yet, but a, a lot of learnings around monopolies and how industries are formed and all the dynamics. Fascinating. Uh, what's one attribute or characteristic in your mind of a successful founder? Well, no doubt it's resilience. Um, just being able to have the grit and go through through it. What's your favorite personal productivity tool or habit? It's Slack. I mean, I use Slack uh, on the go, uh, on desktop, everywhere, every day. What's a new or crazy business idea you'd love to pursue if you had the time? Oh, man, so many. I have a list, as I'm sure you have as well. Um, I think when I think about B2B, um, it would be something around selling picks and shovels for the generative AI race, um, something around making it easier for SaaS companies to integrate uh, generative AI into their offering, similarly to how we did at Involve Me. What's an interesting or fun fact about you that most people don't know? In my late teens and early 20s, I, I used to rap. Um, and that, that was actually my first uh, entrepreneurial endeavor. Um, I self-published an underground rap album with some friends. Wow. Oh, this wasn't just some casual thing. You were like seriously into it. <laughs> and uh, finally, what's one of your most important passions outside of your work? I, um, I try to, to stay informed, uh, interdisciplinary. Uh, so um, I think constantly scouting new ideas, learning, curiosity. Um, and I get to do that by, um, um, by hosting and curating TEDx conferences together with my wife. We have a nonprofit um, and we, we do this um, in Vienna for almost 14 years now. That's awesome. So you, you've been in the startup scene and doing this stuff in Vienna, like you're one of the OGs in, in Vienna, right? <laughs> Homer, don't make me feel old. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Cool, Vlad, thank you. Thank you so much for joining me. It's been, it's been a pleasure. I love chatting about uh, Involved Me and just the general story of, of how you've built the business so far and then the lessons you've learned along the way. I think there's some super helpful insights and, and lessons there, I think, for, for a lot of founders who are, who are maybe a little early earlier on the journey. So thank you for sharing those. If people want to check out Involve Me or start a free, you know, get a free account, go to involve.me. And uh, if folks want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, just over LinkedIn, I would say. Uh, just hit me up. We will include a link to your LinkedIn profile in the show notes. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. And uh, congratulations on on the success so far 
with the business. And, uh, you know, maybe uh, like you and I were chatting, maybe we'll uh, do a follow-up when it's an eight-figure business and have you back and, you know, tell us the story. <laughs> Thank you for having me, Omar. I'm, uh, as I told you, I'm a big fan. So uh, keep uh, doing what you're doing. I love listening to your podcast. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. It's been an honor. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> Cheers. Do you dream of owning a profitable online business or are you looking to sell yours? Bupos.com is the number one platform for entrepreneurs and founders alike. With Bupos, you can discover exclusive listings, browse listings from other marketplaces, or submit your own deal for approval. As the first platform to offer built-in acquisition financing for qualified buyers, Bupos makes it easier than ever to acquire a recurring revenue business without personal guarantees. Their experienced M&A advisory team is dedicated to supporting you throughout the process, ensuring a smooth transaction. Don't miss out on this exciting opportunity. To learn more, visit sasclub.io slash bupos. That's sasclub.io slash B-O-O-P-O-S. Sign up today and get qualified to sell your business or find your next venture. Are you still wrestling with rigid spreadsheets that slow down your team? Jotform Tables is a solution you've been looking for. Jotform Tables combines the power of a spreadsheet with the flexibility of a database. You can collect your data through customizable online forms and Jotform Tables automatically organizes and stores all the data submitted through your Jotform forms. You can also import and export files and collaborate with your team effortlessly. All changes are synced in real time, so everyone is always on the same page. But Jotform Tables is more than just a spreadsheet alternative with conditional formatting, data visualization, and more than 250 integrations, it's a complete productivity platform for your team. You can even automate tasks and workflows to save time. Ready to centralize your data, boost your team's efficiency, and take your productivity to new heights? Sign up for free at sasclub.io slash jotform. That's sasclub.io slash jotform. Hey, are you struggling to grow your SaaS business? Well, you're not alone, but the good news is you don't have to settle for slow growth. The right tools can be a growth game changer, and that's where the SaaS toolkit comes in. This free guide cuts through the noise and shows you the 12 essential types of tools successful SaaS startups have used to get to seven figures and beyond. It gives you specific examples and makes practical recommendations to help you find the perfect growth tools for your needs. So stop feeling stuck. Visit thesastoolkit.com to download your free copy and unlock the growth potential you've been missing. That's the sastoolkit.com.